Hey, good morning. Good morning. Uh, good morning. <laughs> I, uh, I was in the back, and I was standing over by Jeremiah, and uh, yeah, he, let me tell my story. <laughs> and uh, uh, Jeremiah was to my left, and Clark was behind me and whatnot, and and I got to tell you, Ronnie, I, I thought to myself, you know, I sound pretty good. I sound pretty good between these two guys. But uh, so uh, it's not that I'm a bad singer. I'm just in the wrong company, right? Sometimes you just need people that can sing better than you, that sing louder than you. It just kind of drowns you out. You know what I'm talking about, Billy? Sometimes you just got to let them just overtake you and just kind of rest in, in their gifts, right? Hey, uh, we are uh, at the end of the book of Exodus, all right? Chapter 40. Um, this, is, this has been a, a long journey for us. Uh, si today uh, will be the 66th message. I've spoke, been shared a couple times uh, during this study as well. So roughly around 68 messages uh, all together to get through the book of Exodus. And uh, <clears throat> I, I, I told a friend yesterday, I said, uh, this has been a good journey for me. You know, I've, I've learned probably more and have benefited more than uh, you who is, uh, you know, the hearer. But uh, I, I said, I felt like sharing through the book of Exodus has been like having an intimate conversation that you guys have been eavesdropping on, right? And I just feel like uh, uh, the things that I've shared with you are things that, <clears throat> pardon me, that God has spoken to me. And, uh, and so I, I just feel like I'm having this exchange with him, and you guys are, are just here sharing with that, with me. And so there's an element of this, as I told my friend, that is sad to me, because it feels like this has been a long journey, and today the journey through the book of Exodus ends, right? And uh, the next couple of weeks, <clears throat> the leadership of the church has told me uh, whenever you finish a long study such as this, <clears throat> pardon me, that we want you to take a short break. Now, I'm not sure if that's really their intentions. I think they may be saying the church needs a short break from you, right? So, so I'm kind of reading between the lines here. And so <clears throat> over the next couple of weeks, uh, Brandon will, will, be, will be sharing next week and Man, I, I bless you. I don't know if you guys have noticed or not. Brandon's about half the man he was about six months ago. Y'all notice that? Somebody came up to me and said, uh, uh, Brandon is just wilting away to, to nothing. But uh, <clears throat> he's half the man, twice the preacher, though, okay? And he, he will be sharing next week, and I bless him. He's such an encouragement to me. He shares every week up here in the, the welcoming and whatnot. He always, always has nuggets of, of wisdom. And then Jeff Darty is going to be sharing the following week. This is going to be the first time that Jeff has actually shared here in the Jeff. And as you very well know, Jeff, who leads us during our, our, our time of worship and our offerings, uh, our tithes and offerings and, and that aspect of the worship, will be sharing um, the following Sunday. So you guys can be praying for them. And then the following week, I'll be back. So. <laughs> And so, uh, you know, you can be praying for me as we kind of shift uh, the direction of uh, the studies um, 
and God's word to the benefit of everyone hearing. Amen. Exodus chapter 40, uh, verse 1. Um, prior to this, we had just come out of the, the construction of all the, the, the elements of the tabernacle, the construction of the furniture. And remember, last week, all of it was brought to Moses for inspection. Remember we covered that? That's kind of where chapter 39 uh, ended was with Moses inspecting the work of the people who were called to assemble, create, design uh, of these, these articles of the tabernacle. And Moses saw that the people had done everything just as they had been told by him who had been commanded by the Lord, right? And so Moses inspects it. Moses uh, recognizes that it's quality work, God-honoring work. And the scripture says, and then Moses blessed them. Okay, so that's where we're transitioning from. So this week they're erecting the tabernacle. I mean, they're literally putting this thing up, man. All the supplies have been delivered to the work site. You know what I'm talking about? You've seen that where ground has been broken and, and Lowe's or Home Depot or whoever it might be starts to drop off all the lumber and all the supplies and you see it sitting there. And you know the moment you see those supplies being dropped off, that is a representation of construction that will soon be underway. And so that's what's happening in chapter 40. They're going to erect the tabernacle. All right? So we're going to pray and then we're going to read some scripture, and then we're going to finish. Exodus chapter 40, and Exodus the book. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray this morning, in that name, that your spirit, Lord, at this moment would just settle so heavy, not just on me, but on the hearer this morning. Oh, God. Oh, God, speak to us. But even greater than that, oh, God, may we hear. May we hear. Father, we bless your name. Our desire is to know you better. And in that knowledge of who you are, oh, God, may it transform us. Not into churchy people, but into devout, committed followers of Jesus. This is the prayer of my heart. This is the prayer of the heart of the church this morning that we would be conformed and transformed in, into the likeness of Jesus. So we bless your name and it's that name we draw near to you through this morning. And the sons and daughters of God in that name said, Amen. Amen. Okay, Exodus chapter 40, verse 1. Verse 1. And this is what it said. Then the Lord said to Moses, Set up the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, on the first day of the first month. Place the ark of the covenant law in it, and shield the ark with the curtain. Bring in the table and set out what belongs on it. Then bring in the lampstand and set up its lamps. Place the gold altar of incense in front of the Ark of the Covenant and put the curtain at the entrance to the tabernacle. 
Now we're going to stop right there because as we go through this, we will read the remaining portion of the scripture. Now we're going to read a lot of this scripture and we're just going to stop in a couple of spots and kind of highlight it because what you're going to be uh, hearing is what God says to Moses and then Moses carrying that out. That in itself is something to encourage us in it, Jay, that Moses models for us a man who hears from God and then a man who does what he hears from God, right? I mean, we could sit there, man, and just kind of rest in that, but we want to go back to verse 1, and I, I want you guys to hear this, okay? Hear this. The Scripture says, Then the Lord said to Moses. Now that phrase in the book of Exodus is used around 17 times in the, books of, in the book of Exodus. Then the Lord said to Moses. Now, I just prayed. I'm not sure if you were listening to me when I was praying, but I just prayed, Lord, speak to us. Speak to us. And I'm praying that with the knowledge that God does desire to speak to us. I believe all of us at some point or, or at some juncture in our life would say something along these lines that I wish God would speak to me like he speaks to other people. I wish God would speak to me like he did Moses. I wish God would speak to me like he does that person or this person. When I want to say to you this morning, before we even get into the scripture, that I do not believe that it is so much God not speaking as it uh, is that we're not in a position to him to really hear. I think there's so much going on in our lives. There is so much noise in our lives that it drowns out the voice of God. You know what I'm saying? I really do believe this. I really do believe this. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus said, verse 15, this is what Jesus says. He says, whoever has ears, let them hear. Whoever has ears, let them hear. But then Jesus goes on, and, and he describes an individual who doesn't hear, who doesn't see, who doesn't perceive. And so when I read that scripture in the context of what we're talking about this morning, I had to take an inventory of myself and had to say, who do I look more like? Do I look more like Moses or do I look more like this individual that Jesus is describing? And this is a question that you must ask yourself and you have to respond honestly. And this is what Jesus says. Now, Jesus tells this story about the parable of the sower. Many of you know this story. If you don't know it, you can go into, into Matthew uh, chapter 11, and you can read this, verses 1 through 50, and you can read this story about the parable of the sower. And then the disciples come to Jesus, and they say to him, say, hey, master, teacher, why do you speak to us in parables all the time? What's with the storytelling? What's with the parables? Give us some insight. Why, 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 why is this the method? That's the question they have for Jesus. And Jesus says this to them. He replied, listen, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And then he says, this is why. He says, this is why I speak in parables. Those seeing, they do not see. So I have to speak to them in parables. 
So they'll understand. They don't have eyes to see. He says, he says, though hearing, they do not hear. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of the prophet Isaiah. Listen to this. You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing but never perceiving. Listen. For this people's, here is the cause. This is what we have to ask ourselves. For this people's heart has become calloused. Calloused. The word paxo, no. In the Greek, you know what it means? It means unfeeling, obtuse, insensitive. You know, you know the word obtuse? You've heard that. You're obtuse. You remember the, the, the movie Shawshank Redemption? You remember the scene where Andy Dufresne goes in to, to, to state his case before the warden and the warden dismisses all of his, uh, his position and his story and, 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 and he literally, he's literally pouring his heart out to the warden and the warden basically is completely insensitive to him because he has another agenda and then Andy Dufresne looks at the warden and he says to him, why are you being so obtuse? You remember this? Remember the warden bucks up. And he says to them, what did you say to me? Offended that Andy Dufresne would say to the warden, you're insensitive, you're unfeeling, you're obtuse. Right? Jesus was saying people who don't hear, people who don't see, are unfeeling, insensitive, become calloused. Are we calloused? That's a question, right? We sit in churches like it's week after week, and are we sensitive to what God is saying? Or are we obtuse? He says this, they hardly have or they hardly hear with their ears. Barrios in the Greek. It does, now notice what Jesus says. He doesn't say they don't hear, but he says they hardly hear barrios. And do you know what that means? Do you know what that means? I'm going to tell you. It means an, an unresponsive, dull hearing. Only you can answer this. I can't answer. I can only answer it for me. Am I insensitive? Am I unresponsive? Even to the things that God says to me through the scripture, through the reading of his word, am I unresponsive? I hear it. But it doesn't generate a catalyst in my life to respond. I go in each Sunday, I hear the message, and I leave the exact same way that I came in there, having not been touched, moved, or changed. Unresponsive. But Jesus doesn't leave it there. He says this, and this is a difficult one. He says, and they have closed their eyes, kamuo, in the Greek. And it says this, and it means to shut the eyes, listen, to choose blindness. To choose blindness. So when we're looking at Moses and we're saying, man, I want God to speak to me like that. I want God to reveal himself to me. I want God to give, him, give me some directions. The question is, are you hearing the directions. Are you hearing God speaking? Or have you become calloused, insensitive? Have, have you become barrios, unresponsive? 
And have you chosen to shut your eyes to the thing that God is doing and the thing that God is saying? These are real questions. Because I believe if we would posture our hearts to be sensitive, responsive, and approaching God with our eyes wide open, I believe that we would come away from those situations saying, I've heard from God. Right? Oh, you know. Because most people who can say, I've experienced that, most people who can say, I've heard from God because I got these things in order, will know that they're in order because at some point they were out of order. And sometimes the contrast is recognized by the dual experience of both sides of the coin. I know what it's like to be calloused and insensitive. I know what it's like to be barrios, dual and irresponsive. I know what it's like to choose blindness. And praise God, I know what it's like to be on the other side of the coin. And so this morning, we ask ourselves as we approach this scripture, hey, I want to be like Moses. Ask yourself these things as we go forward. Is that where you are? Is this the position, the posture that you're taking this morning as we open this scripture? Because if it isn't, you probably will leave unchanged and unaffected and unmoved and unchallenged. You'll leave insensitive and unresponsive and as blind as maybe when you came in. Right? My prayer is that each of us this morning are in a posture to hear from God. And so this is what the scripture says. We're going to read quite a bit right here. It says, set up the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, on the first day of the first month. Place the ark of the covenant law in it, and shield the ark with the curtain. Now, who is speaking? God is speaking. Who is he speaking to? Moses. And Moses is hearing. How do we know he's hearing? Because he does it. How do I know you're hearing? Because you told me you're hearing? No can do. Does not work like that. You know how I know you're hearing? Because you do what God's word says. That's how I know you're hearing. Man, you don't have to tell me you're hearing when you show me you're hearing, right? He says, bring in the table and set out what belongs on it. Then bring in the lampstead and set up its lamps. Place the goat altar of incense in front of the Ark of the Covenant law and put the curtain at the entrance to the tabernacle. Place the altar of burnt offerings in front of the entrance to the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. Place the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it. Remember, we had the visuals. We saw all this happening. Set up the courtyard around it and put the curtain at the entrance to the courtyard. Remember, which side? East side, right? East side, strong side, right? You remember that? Yeah. The okay, never mind. I'll move on. Taking the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and everything in it, consecrate it and all its furnishings, and it will be holy. Up to that point, you know what it is? It's just furnishings, right? Then anoint the altar of burnt offerings and all of its utensils, consecrate the altar, and it will be most holy. Amount the basins and its stands and consecrate them. Listen, bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance to the tent of meeting and wash them with water. Now listen. I don't know if you all pulled up here and you begin to walk in here and I'm standing out there with a water hose and I'm getting you guys. I don't know what that would say to you. I could say to you, I'm trying to make you holy. 
Some of you would assume he thinks I'm dirty, right? But that's exactly what he says, right? He says, bring Aaron, bring your sons in, and give them a good thorough washing from the basin, right? Then dress Aaron in the sacred garments, anoint him, anoint him, and consecrate him so he may serve me as priest. Bring his sons and dress them in tunics. Anoint them just as you anointed their father so they may serve me as priests. Their anointing will be to a, to, will be to a priesthood that will continue throughout the generations. Listen to this. Moses did just as the Lord commanded. Now the very first portion of that scripture, when he says these words, get this, set up the tabernacle of the tent of meeting on the first day of the first month, now, what you and I would, would automatically assume was that we got everything together. We got everything together. Everything's been blessed. An inventory's been taken. Everything is done right. The natural next step would be to, let's put this thing together, right? Wouldn't that be the natural inclination in your mind? Everything's here. I got all the directions, all the instructions. Let's put this thing together. But that's not what happens. Moses had done all of that. You know what Moses waited on? Moses waited on God saying when to do it. I've got it all. I've got everything ready to put it together, man. And then God says to him, set up the tabernacle of the tent of meeting on the first day of the first month. Assuming we can, I think we can draw this reasonable conclusion that when he tells him that, it wasn't the first day of the first month. He was telling them of a day that was coming in which they would erect the tabernacle. So Moses is just sitting on his thing. Kind of like the Fonz used to say in happy days, just sit on it, man. Right? And look, everybody over 50 is like, yeah, Arthur finds a rally. Right? But that's what he's, he's just sitting on it. And he doesn't move. Even though the natural, pragmatic approach, the most reasonable thing would be to start the process. But he illustrates something for us. Even when things seem to be in order, don't get ahead of God. Because the last day of the last month would not have satisfied God. It was the first day of the first month of the second year that God had said. Now what you and I have a tendency to do is we like to introduce these pragmatic views uh, of, of our intellect and of our personality. We like to introduce them into the spiritual affairs of our life. And, and we just automatically kind of move in that and we, and we forsake the voice of God leading us and we just simply say, well, this is inclined to me. There's something in me that kind of desires this, so this must be God. You know what I'm talking about, right? It's like the individual that's leaving one job for another job. And the only thing that is being considered is it pays more, it must be God. Pragmatic, right? He's just lying. It's paying more, it must be God, Jay. Have you ever done that? And got in the just paying more job and thought, I'm in the wrong place. Because you jumped ahead. You ever been there? Then you had to humble yourself. You had to go back to the job that you left. And you're like, could I have my job back? I got ahead of God. 
I took the dollar, man. I thought it was God. Surely it had to be. And it wasn't. You've been there? Yeah. A few of us have been there. I've been there. And then we introduce this in, even into our relationships. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, they make me happy, so it must be God. <laughs> you know how many lives I've seen bankrupted and destroyed because people went into relationships looking to be made happy and just assuming, well, that cat or that girl or that guy, man, they really make me feel good. So that must be God's hand. God must be in that. And then you get in that and you realize God ain't even close to that. Right? And then you backpedaling. Look at Penny saying, I know what you're talking about. We ain't, we ain't throwing shade on Ronnie. You know? and, then you, and, and it's not just the relationships or finances, right? Oh, get off my toes. Don't be talking about my money. I really enjoy this. I really like that car. I really like this house. I really like this place. I really enjoy this. God's, I, surely God is, is, is uh, 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 designed above everything else, my happiness and my enjoyment, and I really enjoy this, so God must be in it. Let me drop my money there. And you drop your money there, and you realize... God wasn't in that either. I jumped ahead of God, and now I'm backtracking, and I'm backtracking with less than I had when I initiated this process. Right? It isn't just that. It's our emotional needs. You know, have you ever, have you ever, <laughs> come on, come on. Have you ever been in that situation? where an emotional need is met and you put yourself in a compromised place, assuming, well, then this, this meets a, a deficiency in me. It meets a deficit in me. It meets an, an emotional hunger in me. So God must be in this. So I'm not going to pray about this thing. I'm not going to wait on God. I'm just going to jump into this emotional well. Bottomless as it is. And then you can't hardly crawl out of it. Because the thing that you thought was being met, an emotional need, you get in there, man, and you come out with greater needs. Right? And so we have that tendency to do these things. And when I say we have this tendency, I'm talking about me. Remember I was talking to you about that intimate conversation I had with God that I feel like you eavesdrop on? This is what I'm talking about. Do you think I don't want to run to the places that make me feel good, the people that make me feel good? The things that satisfy me? More money? Do you think all of those cares of the world don't pull on me? They do pull on me. And hence I know they pull on you. But for the honor of Jesus, and for the love of the Father, when they pull on us, man, we got to pull back. We got to pull back with a greater intensity in which they pull on us. Because it's that first step of compromise that generates the momentum that leads you into a place that you ought not be. And you know it. You know it. You know it. At the very end of that scripture that I just read to you, there's this reoccurring theme that we're going to read. And it says, 
And Moses did everything just as the Lord commanded. Right? He doesn't move, but when the Lord commands him, violent, he moves. And the scripture says he does everything the Lord commanded. And can I say to you, all of those needs that I just referenced, the health of all those things, our financial health, our relationship health, our emotional health, our, our, our vocational health, you know what all that is really contingent on? Resting on God's word and making those decisions, right? And so when God says to Moses, hey, do this now, Moses does it. But you know what Moses doesn't do? The scripture doesn't say Moses did everything. You're right, you got that, right? It doesn't say Moses did everything. You know what the scripture says? Moses did everything the Lord commanded. Big difference. Big difference. Right? You see that, right? Because I'm going to tell you this. In the vision of God, and this ain't a play on words, but I guess it is. In the vision of God, what accompanies the vision of God, because God is a proactive, he's the, the supplementer of means, resources, talents, gifts, and all of these things. In the vision of God, being the proactive agent in carrying out the vision of God, there is the provision of God. Right? So what God has called us to do, like he called Moses to do, when the scripture says Moses did everything the Lord commanded, that means the resources for Moses to accomplish that was provided because it was God's vision, not Moses' vision. Right? And so when you and I are connected to God and God is speaking to us and we're trusting not to move until he tells us to move, not to do unless he tells us to do, then all of a sudden what is banked in us is the provision of God to carry out the vision of God. Right? You get, you get that, right? I know what you're thinking. I know your voice gets so high. But you get it. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. The Apostle Paul says this, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill what? His good purpose. You know what it's saying? The provision of God is working in you to accomplish His vision. That's literally, I could translate that and render the exact meaning of that in those words that you might understand that. Right? So we're all tracking on the same page, right? Because we're, we're going to kind of, I was going to say we're going to speed this up, but I'll not lie to you this morning. <laughs> Exodus 40, Scripture continues. So the tabernacle was set up. When? On the first day of the first month of the same. Why? Because that's what God said, Right? When Moses set up the tabernacle, he put the bases in place, erected the frames, inserted the crossbars, and set up the posts. Then he spread the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering over the tent as the Lord commanded him. Right? Right? Now, there's something really beautiful in this scripture. It says, so they set the tabernacle up when? On the first day of the first month of when? The second year. You know what was happening on the first day of the first month in the first year? Do you know what was happening? 
Do you know what was happening? I'll tell you what was happening. It's found in Exodus chapter 12, verse 1. The scripture says this, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. And on the first day of the first month of the first year, you know what God says to them? I've got a plan. And my plan is to get you out of 400 years of bondage. And I'm about to break you out of this place. I'm about to liberate you. And he implements and installs the principle of the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. God literally, a year earlier, do you think when they are given the assignment to erect the tabernacle on the very day that God had come to them a year earlier and said to them, those jokers, we're getting out of here. Do you think when they begin to erect that thing, their thoughts wouldn't go about, man, what God has done over the last year? Can I say this to you, Krista? Because I watched the beautiful videos of Matthew. Right, I loved watching Matthew run. He was running. But you know where you've been over the last year. You know the faithfulness of God. And as I told my friend, I said, there's times in our life while we're in the work of God that in our spirits we need to posture ourselves while our hands and our feet work. We need to posture ourselves on that spiritual bench and we need to reflect and we need to remember what God has done for us. Do you know why we need to do that, Kevin Kappel? It then, the remembrance of the faithfulness of God, then becomes the fuel, man, the energy to press on to the next phase season of our life. Man, it's July 23rd. Am I correct? 23rd. 23rd, thank you, iPhone users. July 23rd. You know what was happening last October? Going into November, the man's life was in crisis, Kevin Campbell's. And we were praying. The man's heart stopped multiple occasions. I remember being in my, in my living room, and my wife will tell you this, and, and it may creep some of you out. There's a lot of times I just sit in my living room in the dark, and she'll tell you this. And there's times she'll come in and she'll say, what are you doing? I said, I'm just sitting here, right? I th and I remember getting the phone call, and the phone call basically said nothing more but pray, pray. We're desperate. I knew it was dead. And I remember, just, I remember getting in the floor. You know my living room, the one that you shampooed. That's another story to be told another day. And I got down in the floor, and I remember, I began to pour my heart out. I began to weep, man. I mean, I began to weep. And in the back of my mind, I confess, I began to say, Billy, what am I going to say at his funeral? And I was wrestling with those thoughts. And I was praying. And I was praying, and then the word comes. And, I and now he's standing, right? Nine months later, he's in our company. And you think 
The next time I'm challenged to intervene and intercede for someone, to pray for someone, and the doubts begin to creep in, you think I'm not going to park my spiritual rear end on that, on, that, on that spiritual bench and start to recall nine months earlier how God intervened and touched the man? And that'll energize me to pray for you with the same confidence that I found in Jesus and pray for him. I wasn't the only one. Many people were praying. But they're erecting the temple, the tabernacle, a year removed from the announcement of freedoms on its way. Freedoms on its way. Listen, and he says this. As the Lord commanded, Scripture says this, and he took the tablets of the covenant law and placed them in the ark, right? That's what the Scripture says. Attach the post to the ark and put the atonement cover on it. Now, you do understand that the ark is the only piece of furniture within the tabernacle in which the poles were never to be removed. Do you know every other article the poles could be removed? The ark, the poles could never be removed. And it says, then he brought the ark into the tabernacle and he hung the shielding curtain and shielded the ark of the covenant law as the Lord commanded. Now I want you to understand something as we read the scripture so you don't get this distorted view. Moses isn't doing all of this himself. You realize this, right? You know the ark weighed about 615 pounds. Moses is about 81 years old. He's not Charles Atlas. There's two poles on it for four people to lift it. It had not yet been anointed and filled with the glory of God. It was just a box, man. An expensive box, I concede. And you'll understand as we read more of this that obviously it wasn't, but Moses was the responsible party to carry out these tasks, to see to it that they were done. Can you imagine two million people, however many is, standing around watching an 81-year-old man drag a 615-pound gold box into a tent? I didn't think so. So the scripture says this. Then he brought the ark into the tabernacle and hung the shielding curtain and shielded the ark of the covenant law as the Lord commanded. Lord. Moses placed the table in the tent of meeting on the north side of the tabernacle outside of the curtain and set the bread on it before the Lord as the Lord commanded. He placed the lampstand in the tent of meeting opposite the table on the south side of the tabernacle and set up the lamps before the Lord as the Lord commanded. Moses placed the gold altar in the tent of meeting in front of the curtain and burned fragrant incense on it as the Lord commanded. Then he put up the curtain at the entrance to the tabernacle. He set the altar of burnt offerings near the entrance to the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, and offered on it burnt offerings and grain offerings as the Lord commanded. Right? He placed the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put the water in it for washing. And Moses and Aaron and his sons used it to wash their hands and feet. They washed whenever. Understand that some of this application is in reference to future things. They washed whenever they entered the tent of meeting or approached the altar as the Lord commanded. Listen. Then Moses set up the courtyard around the tabernacle and altar and put up the curtain at the entrance to the courtyard. And so Moses finished the work. 53 years old, right? 53 years old. 
Hold on, hold on. Oh, no, I'm 52. 50, be 53. I'm going to hang on to 52 as long as I can. But what I realized, unlike Carrie last week, who is younger than I, obviously so, I know and feel in my heart that I have less time ahead of me than behind me. Right? Right? And some of you are in like position. Right? And you're like, don't look at me, Trent. <laughs> Jay's like, I'm going to be 150. <laughs> right? But man, wouldn't it be a beautiful thing said of you at your funeral, at the end of your life, that someone would say, and Otis finished the work. <laughs> Craig finished the work. Jeremiah finished the work. Nathan finished the work. Oh, Ryan, to hear him say, you finished the work of God. Colin, to have him say, you finished the work, brother. I want to get to the end. I want it to be said of me, but I want it to be said of you as well, Ricky Lowell, that you finished the work. And that's what the scripture says of Moses, that he finished the work. It's done now. The tabernacle's up. The anointing's been done. All these things have happened. And there it sits in front of them. There it sits in front of them. The tabernacle. <laughs> this is a new day, man. A new time. And you know what they couldn't do? They couldn't fill it. They couldn't fill it. They couldn't do God's part. They could only do the part that they were responsible for as the Lord commanded them. What are you responsible for? For the thing that God commanded you. What do you know that God has commanded you unless you have ears to hear? Eyes to see. Feet and hands to do. Right? Right, right, right. And so there's the tabernacle. And then this is what it says. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting. <laughs> Now, can you imagine this? Now, this is something they had witnessed for a while. It had been with them every day ever since. For a year, man, they had seen this cloud, this pillar of fire. Man, they had seen it. And now, here it is, man. And all of a sudden, this thing shifts. The presence of God shifts over to the tabernacle. Now, you're watching this happen. This is a new thing. Some of you need a new thing in your life, right? A new move of God, right? A new move of God. A fresh move of God. So <clears throat> the cloud moves and covers the ten of meeting. Listen to this. Listen. And the glory, the Shekinah, that's what the, that's what the Jews uh, would call it, the Shekinah glory, the glory, the power, the beauty, the majesty of God, the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Listen, and Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. You say, well, why couldn't Moses? 
go in there. I had seen Moses at the burning bush, see. And he engaged God in, in his glory in the fire and the unconsumed bush. I recall in, in Exodus, I think it was Exodus 25, when he was called up to the mountain and, and was engulfed into to the, the cloud. The fire was falling on Sinai and the people watched it. I remember, why could he not come now? I will tell you why he couldn't go then. And it's the same reason prior to the other events he couldn't go at that point either. And you know what it was? The previous moments when God enveloped Moses or he walked into the glory of God and he spoke with God, it was upon invitation. And he called to Moses and he said, come. And if you go to the burning bush scene, when he approaches the burning bush, remember what God says to him? Don't come any closer. Remember that? Whoa, whoa, slow your step. Moshe, that's what he, the Hebrews were called, Moshe. But it's based upon invitation. And that invitation does come. That invitation does ultimately come. But you know what Moses never gets to do again? And this really isn't debatable. Some would try to debate it, but it's totally not debatable. Moses, after the anointing and the glory of God, he never really enters into the holy of holy places ever again. Now, the scripture does say that he stood before the, the mercy seat. But the implication, understanding the context of all scripture, is that he stood before the mercy seat with the pose extended out, with the veil still up. Do you know why? Because God is not a man that he should lie. And he said only the high priest enters into the Holy of Holies. And he only does that on Yom Kippur one time a year. And not even Moses could enter into that place because Moses wasn't the high priest any longer. That would be Aaron and his successors. So the act of God and the work of God and the expression of God brings Moses, who was the paramount of all leaders, to a place of humility where he would have to concede to his own brother walking into the holy place instead of him. You know, when we hear and we do, as the Lord commands, when we get to that place where concession must be made and humility must be embraced, it's in us to embrace it. And it was in Moses. Can you imagine all the people who are, hey, Moses, you go out in there. And Moses said, that's no place for me to be. Uninvited. But what is the beauty of the gospel of Jesus? The invitation is a standing invitation. That's what the scripture says. Jesus says, come unto me. <laughs> he doesn't just say come unto me. He says, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. All of you. An open invitation. Draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful See, And we're going to close right here. And in all the travels of the Israelites, this is the very last three verses. In all the travels of the Israelites, 
Whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. Now, I want you to understand this as we close Exodus. You go all the way back to Exodus chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, the very first chapter, the very first five verses, and it tells you who the Israelites are. Because they go in to Egypt as a family under the care of God, a family under the care of God. Verses 1 through 5 says this, these are the names of the sons of Israel, that being Jacob, who went to Egypt with Jacob, each with his family, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher, and Joseph was already in Egypt. But when you go to the very last chapter, the closing verses, they entered into Egypt as a family under the care of God, and they exit Egypt as a nation born out of a singular family under the care of God. I desire as we leave places like this, when we gather together, that we would all leave individually but collectively as well under the care of God. Because some of you came in here as a visitor, some of you came in here as, a, as, a, as an individual, and now you have found here at TDC because of the grace of Almighty God that you're a nation or a larger family under the care of God, right? Some of you know this. It says, but if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. Man, these are people under the care of God. I ain't leaving a day early. I ain't leaving a day late. When the cloud lifts, I'm moving. If it don't lift, I'm staying here. If the cloud moves six inches, I'm six inches. You can see them. You can see them, right? Is that cloud moving? It's moving. It's really moving now. You know what I'm talking about? You can see, man, they locked in. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day and fire was in the cloud by night. Last phrase, chapter 40. Praise God. We've gotten here. We've made it. It says this. The fire was in the cloud by night and it says, in the sight of all the Israelites during all their travels. No one in the camp of the descendants of the 12 tribes of Jacob, not one person could say, I didn't know God was moving. I didn't see God moving. If you had eyes to see, the scripture says it was done in the sight of everyone. Why? That no one would be with an excuse for not moving. No one. No one. There's not a person in this sanctuary that the movement of God is not in your sight, that you as an individual will not be accountable for. I will not be accountable for your movement. 
You will be. The best I can do is to let you know he's moving, but you should know it already. It's being done in your sight as well, right? We're closing Exodus. Man, that's sweet, wasn't it? Exodus is sweet. Jess, that's sweet, ain't it? The word of God is sweet. Last question. You answer. Carrie's going to come. I'm telling you, this is the end of Exodus. Some of you need to make a decision, man, about your callousness, your barrios, your dull hearing. closed eyes, all those things. You need to resolve that, that you might hear, that you might do, that you might then see when he moves. Because the question I'm leaving you with today is this. Okay, Exodus chapter 40, last verse. Question, what moves you? What moves you? If you say it's trench preaching, wrong thing. If you say it's Carrie singing, wrong thing thing. If you say it's God's word and God's presence, God's spirit, I'll say to you, you're a winner. <laughs> you're a winner because that's, that's what needs to be moving you this morning. Stand with me. Just stand with me. We'll close. Exit. Yeah, the Lord is good. With our eyes closed, just for a moment, for a moment, for a moment, the eyes closed, not looking to your left, your man. Listen, just as the movement of God was in sight of all the people, I'm asking you as an individual who must own his own perception, his own. His own responsibility. You got to own this. Where's God moving in your life? What's God doing in your life? Is He not moving in the right direction so you're just going to stay put? Because that's not what I like. I don't like that direction. Staying put when God's moving is equally as bad spiritually as destructive as going the opposite direction. Because we, as sons and daughters of God in Christ Jesus, can't allow God to move and us stay still and distance to be created. Because when distance is created, there's a coldness that sets in in our hearts, in our spirits. There's a coldness that sets in, a dullness that sets in. And all of these things that I talked about seem to grow exponentially in our lives when distance is created. Man, today would be a good day to say in your hearts, I want to move when God moves. God, give me eyes to see, ears to hear. Make my heart sensitive again. 
if that's you this morning, that's your prayer, what we give to you this morning is an opportunity to engage with God in prayer, even at a place around this platform. If you want to pray, if you want to pray where you stand, you can. You can. But to come around one of these altars, you know what that's going to require? Some movement. Movement to God. If this is your opportunity with our heads bowed, our eyes closed, you respond not to Trent, but to God's Spirit and God's Word. This is your moment. This is your moment right at, at this time. In Jesus' name.